0: welcome to this fourth edition on the social suplex podcast network of meet the press slam and i am delighted to be joined by one of the brethren of the social suplex podcast network i should i think i should be transferred to be being called the young boy because i'm 26 and this guy's 34 so <laughs> so josh Youngboy smith how are you doing I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for
1: having me on. i happy to do this. I think I'm the first uh, member of the social suplex podcasting network that's actually been on the show, right?
0: Yes, you are. Okay,
1: cool. Uh, well, I had the first
0: one for a Cody breaking news audio, but that's on the press slam, but.
1: Ah, okay. So saving the best for first. So, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We always bury Caleb. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, fuck Caleb. No, but uh, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, funny thing. So years ago before I was like a regular podcaster, I had uh, joined um, a couple episodes with Rich and James of One Nation Radio where like I literally had no idea what I was doing. I would never right. recorded audio, but I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I had like a gimmick? You know what I mean? Right. And so my initial idea was I'm the gentleman Joshua Smith, like gentleman Chris Adams. You know, with you know the fucking like uh, jacket and the British thing and everything like that. But I felt like I did so bad on the first couple like episodes we ever did. We're talking like almost a decade ago, where I was like, bro, that was terrible. Like, I don't even deserve to have a gimmick anymore. You guys should just call me the young boy." And like, Rick was like, "Huh, I kind of like that. That's kind of smooth, you know? Like you know, taking all context aside, you know, the young boy. Then later on, years later, we ended up doing the New Japan podcast and like the young boy thing had already like sort of stuck. So that's kind of the origination of why, you know, even at 34 years old, I'm still referred to as the young boy, Josh Smith.
0: Yes, that that's fantastic storytelling there. Um, So I used to call into a podcast called The Wrestling Soup Mm -hmm. back in. What? When was it? Like 2010, when I was like 14 years old, I went under the moniker WWE versus TNA. <laughs> I was edgy even back then. <laughs> God, God,
1: you were like you were booking like uh, dream shows between the two of them, like you know Undertaker versus Abyss and shit like that.
0: I I, I don't even know what I was doing, man. I would call <laughs> in. It would be they would play Umbop. <laughs> It was it was just it was just insanity back then, but it was all.
1: I'll tell you what, being on the message boards back then, like in like two thousand five, you couldn't tell me that there wouldn't have been a greater match in the world than AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels in like oh five. That was like my like like my heartbeat like hair raising type of like I I always wanted
0: to see that match. It was like my dream. Yeah, and we all yeah we might (laughs) we might get it, but. (laughs) <laughs> oh <my> god <laughs> yeah if they, never if they know, uh, if throw, throw enough soggy money like you never know but that's when did you funny. become a wrestling fan yeah
1: so um i guess that's the reason we're here recording the show so uh my history of wrestling it's kind of interesting um growing up i actually don't have any memories before i was a wrestling fan wow You know, so like my earliest memories, um, I was born in 1988 and my family were diehard wrestling fans, uh, grew up in the Detroit area. So, I mean, like, uh, you know, my dad, his family, they'd seen like the Sheik and Bobo Brazil and, you know, big time wrestling, everything from Detroit, everything like that. And then, um, we were in the area where during the territories, we were getting television from, you know, uh both WWF as well as like Crockett. So my family was kind of like watching both and we, they saw like a lot of the like Madison square garden, you know, house shows and stuff like that. And then, uh, funny enough, my, the first wrestling show I attended was a show where I wasn't even born yet. Technically speaking, my mom was pregnant with me at, at, uh, Kobo arena the night that, um, not Terry Garvin. Um, not Jimmy Garvin. Oh, what, what's his name? Who? Ronnie Garvin. Ronnie Garvin. The night Ronnie Garvin came off the top rope in the steel cage match against Ric Flair and beat him for the NWA title, my family was there, and, uh, you know, my mom was pregnant with me. So, technically, that's the first show I ever, like, attended, but... Um, You're destined for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the funny thing is, like, uh, I wouldn't call it Destin, I think I was uh, programmed because, like... My dad, my brother, they both watched it, and then, like, my grandfather on my mom's side, you know, they're Puerto Rican and Mexican, so, like, he was sending me, like, tapes from, like, CMLL and AAA and, like, Lucha Libre and stuff like that, like, in the mail, so I didn't even know really what it was, but I was watching, like, a lot of that, plus, like, sometimes he would send me, like, uh, the original GLOW, you know? Uh, Ooh. Yeah, you actually can watch that. Uh, they they show glow on um, Pluto. Pluto, yeah, and I have gone back and watched some of it. It's hilarious. Like, uh, that stuff. if if you're like you it's know altered, trap. Yeah, if you're in an altered mind state, that's some of the best wrestling you can watch. <laughs> but um, no, I had some Pluto of that could growing up that
0: but- too for a lot of people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um but my earliest memories were like Hulk Hogan. That was like, uh, you know, he's racist and terrible human being, but like growing up, that was like my ultimate, ultimate like hero. Uh, the first wrestling toy I remember was like a, a Hulk Hogan shampoo bottle where his head was like the cap would screw off. And uh, I remember like having that and playing with that. Uh, but the, the thing that influenced me the most and the reason that like, I'm a diehard wrestling fan, my family, had bought, uh I don't know where, probably at the video store, they bought the uh Turner Classic Home Video, Starcade Best of 1983 to 1987. And so like, I like, you know, some kid, I think most kids kind of like have that phase where they find something that they really like, and they watch it every day. You know, like for my sister, it was like Beauty and the Beast. She watched that like every right. day. And lots of kids have stuff like that. Well, for me, it was like, Rick Flair versus Harley Race in the cage. Every day, I was watching like Star Cage. <laughs> Roger Star, you were raised on the good stuff. Uh, yeah, and I mean um that was like a, a really rare tape, and I didn't know. I didn't know that people didn't see this stuff. You know, like I assumed most wrestling fans were very familiar with you know the Crockett <laughs> uh, territory and everything like that. And I didn't. Oh, you would be
0: sadly mistaken.
1: Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, but, like, yeah, growing up, um, Piper and Valentine in the. Dog uh, collar. In the dog collar match. Uh, you know, Night of the Skywalkers, the
0: um, freaking. Uh, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, uh, the scaffold match. Oh, it's sc- uh, scaffold, yes. I thought you were going to say Black Scorpion.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Dusty and-, and Ric Flair, you know, at the 84 and the 85. I was like,
0: bang them on that tape?
1: Tully Magnum is on that tape, and, like, I actually have a Tully Magnum shirt, and I was out with my dad recently, and I I was, like, I was, like, look at my shirt, and he's, like, oh, man, that match is incredible, it's so vicious, and I'm, like, dude, why'd you let me watch that at, like, three and, like, two years old, like, I was watching that daily, like, that's kind of fucked up if you think about it, like, it's one, like, grown man stabbing another dude in the face with a, a wooden spike, like, it's not what little kids should be watching, but I was, so... That's it, kind of like human being now.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I try to be, but that's kind of what um, really influenced me. And then, you know, while growing up, watching WCW and watching WWF, and then just my family influences. Like I was obsessed with it, like still am, and, and always have been. And that's kind of, in a nutshell, how I started as a wrestling fan. Really.
0: How How did you get into the Japanese stuff? That That's the main. and you are now the co-host of keeping it strong style on (laughs) social suplex podcast network uh the japanese stuff is a big influence on you now
1: yeah so i mean it's kind of twofold i mean um i think some of my early like uh exposures to japanese wrestling were probably a lot of the like wcw crossover stuff so you know when they would bring in muda when they'd bring in Liger.
0: And, Fujinami. you know,
1: to a lesser degree, yeah, guys like Fujinami and Chono and all that. But, like, um, they would show the clips. Uh, it wasn't just that they were coming over, but it was, like, when they would show those vignettes. And you would see them in the Tokyo Dome on the blue mat with, you know, the, the even the turnbuckles just looking different. Because they didn't have, like, the turnbuckle pads, but they had, like, the boxing pads. And I'm like, whoa, that's so weird over there. Like, what's going... You know, I, I wanted to, like, find out more about what that actually was. I had no idea. Um, so that was, like, the first, you know, kind of introduction, plus a lot of the video games, um, especially, like, in the later 90s, like, NW, or WCW versus the World for PlayStation, you know, playing that game, I had no idea until much later that all those, you know, characters were actually Japanese wrestlers, you know?
0: And this is the second time on this show we've been mentioning WCW versus the world and it was a flagship topic
1: yeah, yeah yeah I mean like that game um you know there were guys on there I was like oh they got a guy that looks like Baba but then I was like later on, I'm like oh it just flat out was Baba and you know and so on and so forth so I mean that was part of it but the big exposure, the one thing that really exposed me. My brother was a um, martial artist, and you know, very into MMA. You know, and so like in in the early like '90s slash like mid '90s, he was trying to get his hands on any kind of like major tournament like sort of uh, uh, footage that existed out there, and there was like a lot of proto MMA, and what we ended up like through trade through like tape trading we ended up like getting exposed to like early like Shudo, Pancrase, uwf right. uwfi and like we'd watch it we're like we couldn't tell what you know is like we're like some of this is you know this ring stuff is a little different than this stuff and like we ended up like um, watching a lot of mma but we also ended up watching what we didn't realize at the time was pro wrestling we thought a lot of it was like actual fighting, but we're like, it's eh, weird. Sometimes they're doing pins, sometimes they're not, you know, and it wasn't always clearly labeled. So we didn't know what, where this stuff was coming from, but he would just send away for it and like trade. And that was like a lot of my early exposure to Perez. And I didn't even realize I was watching it. I thought I was watching like real martial arts, which I guess technically it kind of was, but. That's sort of the beginning for me. Um, and then the coup de gras that really sealed it uh, aside from just the internet coming along and making things accessible was McFoley foley and the iwa king of the death match 95 tournament um, i didn't see that till much later but seeing that on like wwf and seeing the footage of him going into the c4 and the time boards and you know the razor wire and everything like that i was like holy fuck like i got to find that and then when the internet came along actually getting into that so like the two things for me was like the deathmatch stuff the you know the the shoot style and then obviously eventually i found jacob and once w- once you once you start seeing liger find and
0: jacob it's it's done it's done yeah it's over and you know seeing
1: ghetto and taka and eddie and you know jericho ray Hoovy, all those guys over there doing this incredible stuff that's sort of like what really synced it in for me and then you know, at some point, I just, I think once I became, like, more aware of wrestling ratings and things like that from, like, message boards, and I learned who Dave Meltzer was, and I was like, oh, there's this guy, he, like, rates matches, I need to, and then I was like, oh, there's this guy named Mizawa, who's got more great matches than anyone ever, I need to find this stuff, so then, then that brought me into, like, all Japan, you know, and I was, probably watch it six seven eight years later after it occurred like no one's already happening but i'm like just starting to watch all japan
0: you know what i mean i i i had that search when he died so heh, yeah i had that search like like i was like miss died I, I i hear about it on the internet of course because i was 13 years old i was on the internet internet's accessible at this point i was torrenting indie shows at this point mm. um and i'm like who the hell is this Misawa guy, and why is he the greatest wrestler of all time? <laughs> yeah,
1: um, it's actually funny. Um, on the first episode of One Nation Radio I did, this is like 2013, so like literally almost a decade ago, um, on the show, one someone from the group went back and listened to it, and, and on the show, I was like, I kind of like Japanese wrestling, but I'm not like that into it. And then uh, they like brought it up. They're like, yeah, you said you weren't that into Japanese wrestling. And I was like, yeah, but you have to understand, man. I was on message, like I was on the Death Valley Driver video review boards, like at that time. And so me saying that I'm not that into it meant like I was watching it all the time. But compared to like the old head dudes that were on there that knew everything, I was nothing. I didn't realize I like at that time, I first time going on a podcast, A, I was nervous, B, I, I didn't know who I was dealing with. Like, I didn't even know Rich and James that well at the time. And so I'm like, they might know way more about this than I do. So I'm not going to claim to be an expert on it. Even though t- looking back, I'm like, I probably could have talked, you know, at length about the pillars and about the history of Japanese
0: wrestling and,
1: you know, Ricky Dozan and all that shit. Like,
0: <laughs> So it, it's funny when you first do a podcast and I, I first did my podcast in 2014. Um, called Get In The Ring, and it was a chat... It evolved from this guy from a show called The Chat Down, which he huh. went, the, the My original co-host went to cover WWE only, and I was relenting against it, because I was like, there's this big boom in Japan, there's this big boom in Japan, there's this big boom in Japan. Yeah. I was just screaming it from the answer, so I said, I'm just going to do an hour beforehand, before The Chat Down, called Get In The Ring, and just... Light waste on everything else happening in the world of wrestling, and nice. I ended up being right. <laughs> me, 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 me.
1: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I think I think um, you're absolutely right. Like around that time, there was definitely a boom. Um, I had like around that time, even kind of fallen out a bit. With uh, watching Japanese wrestling, just because like it wasn't that easily accessible, you know. Um, I think for a few years there, with like 2 too, and then.
0: The you know, era. yeah. Yeah, that was sort of like. It was, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. Era. It was Jamal Hepburn, or God rest his soul, and yeah. putting in the work. On yeah,
1: those, those real heroes, guys. You you, you couldn't find anything except for through them and um yeah. that you know that
0: I, Japanese wrestling group was everything
1: I think the three things that like had kind of crashed uh, around relatively speaking was like you know um all Japan sort of like losing their TV deal Noah kind of losing with after the death of Mizawa starting to go downhill and then Enokiism like uh, ja- and then just the relative like the hard entry of barrier or barrier of entry to even watch, uh, the Japanese wrestling. I'd kind of like fallen out a bit around that time, but I was hearing good things about new Japan. So like by the time Wrestle Kingdom nine comes around, that's where I was like, okay, like, and I was still watching like some of the big matches, but I was like, right. maybe I should like get back into this because it seems like with this new streaming service, they're going to make it like more accessible. And so that's sort of what wrangled me
0: back. Look, happened. It, you know? Look, we were right. We were yeah. right. We were right, and it would lead to the second biggest American promotion, the most successful American promotion in the in modern history so i i I'm just saying this revolution is something not to be antiquated, yeah, this revolution of newsletter readers, this revolution of people who know their crap <laughs> yeah yeah the, the I think I think AEW and New Japan are, and they're going to sell out the United Center and people are going to be flabbergasted.
1: Yeah, I would love to be at that show. I'm I'm still thinking about it. I found uh, you know um, I was looking at like tickets and they were kind of insane, but now I found an affordable ticket. But then all the other costs and expenses like lodging, travel, food. Even, um, even just like I don't know a specific. Well, I, know, I don't want to peel back the barrier too much. We have an inside guy who like uh, was able to get us a suite. But like even the suite tickets, I was like, damn, it's so <laughs> you know I don't want to spend a G to go be. watch a show that I can like stay home and watch. You know, uh, spend fifty dollars on to
0: right. know, watch. So, no. but the environment there is what will be incredible.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I was in Chicago for all in in twenty nineteen, and that was to this date, the greatest uh, wrestling environment I've ever been a part of. So I'm definitely jealous. I think they've done a really smart thing there, uh, picking Chicago for this show because even right now with like um, air flights like surging, they don't need a flying crowd to sell this show out, provided that they have punk on top because they're in Chicago you know, just the draw of New Japan AEW is going to be a huge thing. That market's so hot, and if Punk's on top and he's wrestling, you know, an Okada or Tanahashi or something like that, it's going to sell out. So, that was kind of smart on their part to do it
0: there. Yeah, it it, it is very smart, and you know, I, I, I just think people underestimating this thing, right? This movement is so insane. People underestimating everything that has come the last few years. Like, oh, it's not going to get bigger. Oh, it's gotten bigger. Oh, yeah, they're not going to do this right. Oh, they did. Yeah, I mean, that's
1: definitely... Um, I mean, I'm definitely a fan of, like, AEW. I wouldn't say that I, I'm not. Uh, I watch it right. every week on Wednesday. But, um, you know, I'm just glad that there is an alternative that's out there that exists for... The, you know I know that the term casual fan is sort of thrown about but like for just regular people that want to watch wrestling on tv they don't want to like download a streaming service or like go on to daily motion there's just regular ass wrestling that they can turn on on tv yep. it's there Tony Khan's done that so you know good on them I'm glad that that exists and generally I'm speaking too,
0: too.
1: <laughs> generally not speaking
0: I not, mean everything's not for me either but I'm like i'm um, right damn well it damn well it exists because
1: well you know um uh, my wheelhouse isn't just japanese wrestling a lot of like my um wrestling fandom kind of revolves around classic you know especially like 80s wrestling so i mean uh, the more you kind of know about that era the more you see the fingerprint of it all over um uh, aw what's old is new again most of the storylines are kind of old you know mid-south and uh you know Crockett and you know fucking Tennessee and Memphis storylines stuff from Portland kind and shit well. like that.
2: Yeah, a lot
1: of continental shit, and uh, which is smart because not everybody knows that that's what they're doing. But you know, hey, Mid South fucking ruled. They've taken like ten storylines from them and applied it. I
0: love it. Yeah, Bill Watts was actually pretty smart and, <laughs> and <laughs> wink, not wink, judge. Nudge. <laughs> You know what's down? funny? Shout out
1: people. People hate uh, the Bill Watts WCW era, but that's probably my favorite era of the company, to be honest. I,
0: honestly, that might be my favorite era of the company.
1: Like the ninety one, ninety two WCW. Ninety two yeah. WCW rules. Like, it does. Um, there's a
0: lot of misses,
1: but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, I love all that stuff from that time period, like Sting and Dragon and Dangerous Alliance and. Uh, you know, miracle violence
0: connections there. The Steiners are there. Nineteen ninety-two is awesome. Yeah, it, it it really is awesome. It really is awesome, and I I just feel very much appreciated appreciated for everything that
2: it is. You know. You know. Yeah, absolutely.
0: yeah so that's sort of like the story of all this. It's just like just keep on going. Oh, you know you <laughs> know you just gotta keep on going. but mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite matches? Oh man, uh favorite matches I could go <laughs> I could go on all day about matches like um,
1: Man, I don't even know. Uh, Joe versus Kobashi from Ring of Honor. That's got to be one of them. Um, the Fantastics versus uh, Midnight Express series, especially the one for the the worldwide match with with the double heat. That one's incredible. Um, nice. Magnum and Tully, uh, Piper Valentine. That stuff uh, stands out to me. Uh, the entire Okada Omega series. Uh, once we start getting into new japan i mean it's over like there's so many uh matches that i love i mean tanahashi and okada um abushi tanahashi from the g1 finals is like one of the most emotional matches of all time abushi nakamura you know i i love abushi nakamura i'm not as high on that match like i recognize how great it is and i'm not even going to sit here and say it's not like a five-star classic but if i was talking about my favorites it's not one of my favorites i don't like go go back and rewatch it the same way uh everyone else does you know what i mean like from that night i like the tanahashi okada match better yeah
0: i like the tanahashi okada match but i like their g1 match better
1: the abushi uh abushi nakamura yeah that the abushi nakamura g1 match is incredible um and that that might be the better match, uh, but it doesn't get the same kind of, like, roses thrown at it. You know what I mean? Um, there's a lot. Uh, you, know what, you know what's a funny match that I love that, like, <laughs> I shouldn't love it, but I love Nick Aldis versus Cody from All In. Um, that's a match that, like, I recognize how flawed it is, but, like, being there live and hearing the crowd reaction, I just fucking love that match. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's so many other matches. I mean, Kobashi, Nozawa, um, I don't even know. Uh, all the Hashimoto versus uh, Tenru matches. Like, I could just go on for days and days. Like, you know, it, it's weird to even, like, think about that question because I'm just like, oh, I'm, like, trying to go through the catalog of, of you know. Great matches. matches. Austin and Sean, uh, or I'm sorry, Austin and uh, Brett. Uh,
0: Austin Sean's pretty good, too. <laughs> Austin Sean's good, too.
1: You know, that the King of the Ring match that ends in a DQ, I think, is actually almost better, uh, except for the worst finish, you know, and obviously not the same stage, but, like, from an in-ring perspective. Uh, yeah, man, I mean, oh, and I mean, Flair, uh, all the flair steamboat matches, um, geez, like, there's just so many you know like there's a lot of incredible wrestling that exists out there
0: <laughs> yeah it's so, so much and there's a great podcast that delves into great wrestling on this or network called <laughs> great mass generator hosted by yours surely anatomy but yeah, yeah. You, you i love what you guys do um
1: you know like it's very like eclectic just the wide range of stuff that you guys cover you know what i mean um I mean, on one episode, you might get something from like Perezu and then like 90s indie and then like a shoot style match. It's weird.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had too much shoot style in like a three week span. Like, we're like, we're so sick of shoot style.
1: Oh, I fucking love it. I love it. I love shoot wrestling. Like, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: Akira Maeda
1: put that into my veins. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, Mr. Terminus Truther. <laughs>
1: I hate Terminus. <laughs> i i would love for ter- terminus to be good like i thought that terminus was going to basically be a new age joint promotions type yeah. of you know um or even like and it's not some, and it's not even anything close to oh yeah a few years ago i got really big into
0: uh british like uh shoot style or british uh, world sport like style wrestling and you know, I love that stuff. We are watching a Brit- We're watching Jim Breaks versus John Cortez on our next episode, dude. John Cortez might
1: be the greatest wrestler that nobody talks about. Um, I mean, he's incredible. There's um, some really good John Cortez match. John Cortez versus Steve Gray and uh, John Hayward. Those matches, like Steve Gray's, my favorite British style wrestler. Uh, he's like just this. Little spry escape style wrestler. He's incredible. Rollerball Rocco, uh Johnny Saint. All those guys. Like I fucking love British style. Are are, like you, are you
0: a big Big Daddy fan?
1: <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't say that I am. I don't like any Shirley Crabtree
0: matches. I've never seen a good one that it, you know on tape ever. <laughs> <laughs> so you you're not for him for the wrestling of Denver Hall. No, I think he deserves
1: to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's a slam dunk, and the fact that he's not in there is extremely egregious.
0: But but you, you, you're like, he's a bad wrestler, but but he deserves to be There's in the a, Hall. Yeah, I mean, going into
1: the Hall of Fame isn't all based on uh, technical worker. acumen.
0: Hulk Hogan's in the, the Hall of Fame.
1: Hey, I think Hulk Hogan's a great worker, so. <laughs> hey, hey um, yeah, true.
0: Watch that great a match. Tell me he's not a great worker.
1: Yeah, I could probably give you like 15 matches of Hulk Hogan's that I think are very good. Now, do I think he's like an all-time great worker? No, yeah. not at all. But, um, you know, I think he is a very, very good wrestler. I, I always have thought that. Yeah, I, I think Hogan's good.
0: I was just joking about
1: that. No, no, no. They, you know, and it's fine. There's people, he's not to their taste. Uh, you know, I don't find myself these days watching a lot of Hulk Hogan considering <laughs> everything that's gone down. But, uh, you know, I mean, there was a time prior to the the racist allegations where, like, I was working on a, um, an article. Uh, I, I never ended up printing it, but, like, I pretty much compiled, like, a list of what I consider to be, like, Hulk Hogan's best matches year by year from, like, 19... 19- I think like 80 up until like the end of his uh you know run, and like almost every year he's in something that is wild yeah, that's good uh, yeah he wanted to turn it on he could even in w c w he still had the the ability to do that
0: yeah, true um also i think who else, who else would categorize, who categorize as an underrated but a fun wrestler to look at? Um,
1: Well, I mean, it depends, you know, because, I mean, like, um, a lot of the the names that qualify I think are names that have kind of been lost to time or maybe are famous in their region but aren't necessarily remembered so well by modern uh, wrestling fans. You know, like, for instance, for me, like, uh, I think one of the greatest um, luchadors that's ever lived, El Dandy. And I know, like, the the, the only joke about El Dandy is the Bret Hart joke. Like, who are you to question El Dandy? But, like, what's funny about that shit is, like, in the 80s and in the early that was, like, a real thing. Like, who would you be to question El Dandy? The guy could high fly. The guy could chain grapple. The guy could uh, brawl with the best of them. He could bleed. He could be – he was a fantastic kill. He could get sympathy. Right, Um, he was good at every single aspect of pro wrestling on an extremely high level. Now, like, I think his peak is short-lived. I think it's only like three or four years, but like at the peak of El Dandy's like heights and prowesses, like, fuck, I think he's one of the greatest wrestlers ever. And (laughs) no one else does.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a great example. Actually. Um, Everyone thinks Nagar Casas is great too. Um negro it Casas is so great at everything. He's incredible. I i even remember back in like
1: I mean this is a while back, but like in 2016, I just randomly caught a uh cmll you know, show that was just airing on I think like Televisa. And it was two out three Falls match. It was him and some young cat, and like he was just still as good as he ever was. And I'm like, God, like, you know, he's not that far off in age from like Rick Flair. Rick Flair, like, had the longevity of, of some of the greatest, but, like, even he can't go on the level that, like, Ned is still wrestling at a super high level right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, bruh. It's bizarre. It's uh, Sting, too. Sting. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. And what's funny is, like, Sting's almost kind of regenerated. There was, like, a time period where, like, Sting was
1: not really great, and it like, I think Sting in 2022 is better than, like, Sting in 2014. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, it is.
0: Because they, no, I don't I, know. It's weird. Yeah, it's so weird how that is, you know? Um, so weird. Um, well, I, I'm trying to think of any, any other questions I would have. Hey, the time is yours. You can ask
1: away, man. I'm here right. I'm at your disposal
0: let's let's talk your one of your f- favorite heels of all time some of your favorite heels
1: oh um well i mean obviously rick flair um like almost in every iteration of his career i mean i think he's like the consummate professional heel i mean um i remember literally times where growing up in a very like religious home uh, and also not being fully smartened up, like only halfway smartened up to what was going on. Um, not just understanding how Hulk Hogan couldn't beat the four horsemen, you know,
0: right. and
1: literally like praying to God, like, God, please, like, let Hulk Hogan come back and beat beat these dudes because, you know, I I couldn't understand how they were getting away with all this cheating and Arnec... They put Arn Anderson over Hulk Hogan on fucking Nitro, like, <laughs> like how is this possible? But um, yeah, I mean you look at everything from like Flair's run in the '80s and the stuff he did with Ricky Morton and uh, you know Dusty and everybody like that. I mean it's just some of the best like television that there's ever been. One of the greatest heel promos of all time. The, the feud with uh Macho Man in '92 is something that shouldn't have worked but still did work. Right. Um, it, they tried really hard to, to like give Flair bullshit the entire time that he was in his run in WWF and he took chicken shit and turn it into uh or, you know, yeah, turn it into chicken salad. Like he, he was incredible. Um, big fan of uh, Nick Bockwinkle. I love his promos completely different style than Flair, but like kind of a similar deal you know, just the fact that, like, he's the best in the world. He's, un, you know, you know, unapproachable in terms of, like, his technical acumen. And he's, he beats everybody because he's the best. And, uh, you know, him and Bobby Heenan together. Like, Bobby Heenan, to me, is, like, probably one of, if not the greatest uh, heel manager that's out there. I fucking right. love that combination. Uh, Vader, one of my favorite guys for different reasons. I love the combination of him and Harley Race.
0: Oh, yeah. Is that
1: that so good. Him just being terrifying, you know, and just running roughshod over, you know, the WCW locker room. And, you know, pretty much the funny thing is, like, uh, you look at Vince, and I know I'm going a little off topic, but you look at, like, how many guys that he received from the outside that were huge stars and made money everywhere else. And then they come to WWF, and he does so much less with them than what he could have. You know Legion of Doom Steiner brothers, they stick out in my mind. Rick Flair's another one. But Vader is probably like the most glaring example. Cause I mean, there's nowhere that I mean, look at where he went. Everywhere he went, whether it was Germany, whether it was Japan, you know
0: Mexico. Whether
1: that Mexico, uh and then you know WCW and, and every single time they had some sort of like incredible baby face that he came in and he fucked up and he destroyed and then he runs he goes on a monster run and then eventually that baby face, whether it was sting or whether it was Otto auto or whether it was a Noki or whether it was connect, it doesn't matter who it was. They eventually beat him back. And then they draw some of the biggest business that their company has ever done. And the only, the only time that that didn't work was in WWF when it was Sean and <laughs> they go the totally opposite way and job him out in the first big match. And it's just crazy. But like, yeah, I mean, uh, those guys stick out to me. Um, CM Punk as a heel
0: yeah. uh, Danielson as a heel Oh my god Yeah Yeah. I'm going to give you a name of a couple guys And I have this 2001 PWI All in Mac Sure Um, I'm going to give you a couple names From the 2000 PWI 500 Okay And, And you just tell me your initial thoughts on them Okay. We're gonna give you an easy one. Tent-K Sasaki.
1: Um, underrated. Um, you know, maybe over pushed at the same time,
0: but uh, you know, ass kicker. I love him. El Hijo del Santo. He was number. Oh fifth. man. Yeah, I
1: love El Hijo del Santo. Um, I don't think he gets all the flowers that are deserved to him, but um. Him and LaParca has like one of some of the my favorite like bloody feud matches of all time. So yeah, big fan.
0: Yuji Nagata.
1: Oh man. Yuji's just one of the best, even to this day. I I fucking love Yuji Nagata. Um, I really wish they wouldn't have put him in those MMA fights with Fedor and uh Krokop back in the day. But other than those missteps, I mean Nagata's just he's one of the greatest ever. Edge. Overrated. <laughs> 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 Attack team my guy. Up. No, you know what? I actually let me take that back. I like I like Edge prior to this return. Almost everything he did. I I think Edge was actually one of the best heels in WWF history, and um, a, a, a fantastic wrestler. But I've not been a fan of almost anything he's done since he came back.
0: Blue Panther. Um, is that that's Blue Panther Senior? Blue Panther,
1: the the, the more famous one. Okay, uh, yeah, Blue Panther. Um, you know, funny thing, I haven't seen too much tape of Blue Panther, but I mean, you know.
0: Um, yeah, obviously had that match of the year contender with Viano 3 in 2000. The uh, Mascara. No, had, that's Atlantis. Atlantis Viano 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, oh, which I got there? those two tripped up. But Blue Panther is awesome.
1: Uh, Yeah, I actually haven't seen that much Blue Panther, but I've definitely seen the Atlantis-Viano 3 match, which is one of the most emotional, you know, uh, mask versus mask matches of all time. Uh, Incredible.
0: Brian Christopher.
1: Uh, You know, Grandmaster (laughs) 2-Sex-A.
0: Christopher Daniels.
1: Um, The Fallen Angel, the godfather of indie wrestling, um, one of the greats.
0: Yeah, um... I'll do two more. I'll do Great Sasuke,
1: uh, a, a fucking insane wild man who will do anything to, you know, entertain.
0: Just incredible. And then one of the greatest Japanese wrestlers of all time, Tenru Kaneko. Yeah, Dinikuro
1: uh, I love Tenru. Um, I think he's one of the greatest workers, and I'm not just talking about in ring. I'm talking about in all aspects of life Tenru never loses he <laughs> Tenru never out.
0: Who are the three people that never lose? Tenru, Jeff Jarrett and Rick Flair. Those three people yeah. never lose. I
1: I don't know about all that, but like every time I hear people talk about Jeff Jarrett never loses, I just think Tenru never loses. Tenru always comes out on top. Um and yeah, I love Tenru. One of the stiffest strikers that there ever were, um you know just his fingerprints are all over Japanese pro wrestling I mean so much of what I love about pro wrestling is influenced uh, by Tenru. so yeah
0: um yeah I, I, I love Tenru. he's one of my favorite he's one of my favorite characters in Japanese wrestling history I think he may be and I I could be wrong on this but I feel
1: pretty certain he's one of the only... People to have ever beaten both Anoki and Baba clean—that's
0: a hell of an accomplishment. And he's
1: faced Okada. Oh yeah, even <laughs> yeah,
0: even that in his um, last match, he's like, "Dude, I'm gonna put over the king on the last match, man." Yeah, that match, um, you know, uh, it's good,
1: it's interesting. I mean, um, you know what? I it, better than he right here in 2017. Did you? Uh, yeah
0: that's funny <laughs> I was like I I have no I I give zero fucks I was like Tenru and Okada it was a powerbomb symphony and I give zero fucks because Tenru is what he means to wrestling <laughs> yeah I mean I could totally understand
1: that I mean I think a lot of people felt the same way with uh Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels in OA at Wrestlemania um I don't think that this match was quite as good as that but uh kind of
0: no it's no, not as good but I was like I don't care <laughs> I give zero fucks to Tenru it's Tenru As you say Tenru wins in all facets Yeah it's true well I mean dude look at it like look at what happened with um you know
1: when the, the whole split was going to happen and and it seemed like he was going to play second fiddle in all Japan I'm just going to get a money mark over here start Super World Sport Oh, that's going under. It's not going to work out. All right, well, I'm just going to start and, and, you know, um, basically become the biggest super indie in all of Japan and form alliances with, you know, UWFI and New Japan and get, you know, all these benefits. And not only that, but get wins over all the top stars from both companies. And, you know, Oh, you want, want me to do a, done. you want me to do a FMW, uh, you know, uh, exploding death wire you know that death match with onita okay i'm not gonna go into any of the death you know i'm not gonna take any actual bumps but we'll do it we'll draw money onita's gonna take all the bumps
0: and then I, know, and right? i win because uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm of... <laughs> and then um you know and then after all that it's like okay
1: well uh things aren't looking so great oh you need me to come in and save all japan you know years after the fact when you know baba swore i would never be able to work there again. Okay. Oh, you want me to come in and be the Triple Crown champion, you know, a decade later? Sure, I'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, Tenro. Tenro. Micro. (laughs) You want want me to go back to New Japan
0: and win the IWGP title? Okay. Like, this guy never loses. (laughs) (laughs) I think we all learned a valuable lesson today. Tenro never loses. I think on that note, we should end end on Tenro never loses.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um thanks for having me on the show here, Danny. Um,
0: plugs guys.
1: Yeah. Uh, you can find my show. So, uh, right after this, I'm going to be recording this week's episode of keeping strong style. We are the longest running episodic, strictly new Japan podcast on the internet today. Uh, we've been going since late 2018, 2017. I cannot remember. We're, it's been a long time, but um, you can find us here on the Social Supports Podcast Network. We drop every single Tuesday and we cover everything within the realm and the universe of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, in depth analysis, insight, uh, you know, match breakdowns, previews, reviews. We cover all of it. And there's a lot of good coverage of New Japan out there, but I guarantee you, you won't find better than keeping a strong style. Um, you can find us on Twitter we our handle is at kistrongstyle um, you can find us on any streaming service that's out there uh, if you want to interact with us on Reddit um, my co-host Jeremy Donovan he is the pro black guy I am uh keeping it strong style um you can also connect with us on uh, Facebook we host a group called the Wrestling Square Circle, so if you subscribe there, group. you can also uh, interact with us there. And we have a Discord channel, so I mean, there's yes. a lot of ways to to interact with uh, um, the Social Splits Podcast Network. But um, again, my name is Joshua Smith, and I am pretty much just the talent. Jeremy handles almost all the, uh,
0: you know, all of our Twitter, all of our social media. I just kind of show up and uh, talk shit and then go home. And Tenro never loses. And I am DJD Kooks on Twitter, G- Great Match Pod for the Great Match Generator podcast on uh, the social there. And then, um, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for me. Um, so thank you for joining me, Josh.